Thanks for joining us at the Good Mood Clinic podcast, where we get to the heart of the matter about what makes us humans tick. We're Justine Corrie and Gemma Gladstone, two clinical psychologists and schema therapists, and we're passionate about helping you break unwanted life patterns and finding new ways to understand yourself and those tricky people around you. Life is way too short to be derailed by our schemas, by self-sabotage, toxic relationships or a lack of self-worth. So let's tackle this together and help you reclaim your life and who you really are. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Gemma Gladstone and I am very happy to be with you here for some new episodes in the podcast for 2024. We'll be bringing you some brand new material and um, I'm very excited to get started. It's the beginning of the year. Um, I'm recording this early Feb. It's always a great time to think about how we might want to do things differently in accordance with, you know, being our most authentic selves. Many people, um, myself included in the past in particular, you know, really got stuck in the area of relationships. And as you know, relationships, romantic relationships, dating, a big interest topic for Justine and myself. So we just look forward to bringing you more information in everything to do with relationships and schemas. So just as a reminder, please get in touch with us. You can go to the website, which is theredflagproject.com. And you could also find us at goodmood.com.au. You can send us questions as well. We're always on the lookout for some new topics to talk about. We'd love to address some of your questions. Today I'm doing a a solo episode and I'm going to be talking about what keeps us stuck, particularly women, because I've had a few conversations recently with women and they've just, they're in this situation. They're in a relationship with someone, with a guy, and this partner is just you know it's not going to be good. You know, all the signs are there. They're in a relationship with an unavailable partner. Now, there's so many different definitions of unavailable or examples of unavailability, just to name a few. Probably the most obvious example would be being in a relationship, having an affair with a guy who is married. Now, over the years, I've had a bunch of people that have been affected by this situation um, and including women who are in relationships with these married guys. Now, I've noticed some common themes and I'm going to be just addressing them today, common themes in terms of what keeps people stuck in these situations, which they know in their heart of hearts are dead end, but they just cannot extricate themselves from this situation early enough or early at all. so yeah, and, and being in being an affair partner, that would be one example. Obviously, being in a relationship with someone who's just not where you're at, maybe they're really avoidant, 
maybe they're wishy-washy, they're inconsistent, they're unreliable, perhaps you're doing that old, familiar, anxious, avoidant, love trap dance. Perhaps you're in a relationship with someone who's really narcissistic, Um, you see the signs, the red flags are there, uh, but early on you just can't leave for some for some reason, you're stuck, you feel stuck, or a part of you at least feels stuck. You know, we talk about schemas and schema therapy and a big learning in schema therapy is that we have, you know, many parts of self and sometimes it's not the healthiest part of us, it's not the most mature part of us, the most the part that has the most wisdom and the and the most compassion that actually makes the decisions for us when it comes to relationships many of the times we're not really making these choices and and decisions from the place of you know meeting our best interests here so i guess i've got a, a bunch of women in mind when i talk about this topic i've noticed that there are three things linked to schemas that indeed stop these women walking away from something that is not good. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm talking about relatively early relationships. I'm not talking about a woman who's been in a relationship for 30 years, who has children, and she's in a relationship with a very difficult or toxic partner. I'm not talking about that. Obviously, that is a very complicated situation, particularly if you have kids and it's a complicated, there's lots of stuff going on. Um, so I'm not really specifically talking about that, although there probably would be some truths that would cross over into that that area. And nor am I blaming anybody from, for staying in a relationship. It's not about that either. So there's no judgment, there's no blame What I am saying is, what are some things that stop women getting out early when they know the writing is on the wall, the better part of themselves says, this is not for me, this relationship is not for me, but they're stuck. So this might be a new relationship of a few weeks or just or a few few months, or maybe they're in a relationship with someone who's clearly completely unavailable because they're already married to somebody else. That's the kind of sort of person I'm talking about in today's podcast. Okay, so let's get started because I see these three things surfacing. And the one I want to talk about is this area of feeling responsible for other people. We all need to feel responsible for other people to a degree. Um, as a parent, of course, you're responsible for your kids. But really, when it comes to adults, we can help other people, we can care about them, we can encourage them, we can have compassion for them, but we cannot save them. We can't save them and we can't rescue them. We can't turn them into something they're not and we can't heal them on their behalf. And unfortunately, because of the way some of us were raised, maybe you were raised to and you were conditioned to be the caretaker or the parent, the mother, uh, the rescuer in your in your family of origin. Maybe you were you you had a hyper developed sense of of responsibility for other people. 
Now, if you have this going on, you've probably got, you know, schemas under the subjugation life trap. So you've probably, you might be a self-sacrificer, you might be feeling very subjugated, but for sure you're other directed. You're focusing on the other person and you'll always think about what do they need before what I what 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 do I need? Okay. Now I've I've noticed that when I've spoken to some of these women who've been in relationships with married men, something really interesting a theme, a recurrent theme pops up. And that is that this guy that they're involved with is downloading his satisfaction with his current partner, aka his wife. He's downloading all this, all his woes onto his affair partner. He's sharing his personal struggles with his affair partner. He is talking about his deep, dark secrets with her. He's leaning on her. He's treating her like a quasi-therapist slash mother figure slash lover figure. So she is involved with someone who she's starting to feel responsible for, guilty, what if I leave him, no one, he's got nobody, et cetera, et cetera. Um, There's a part of her that feels sorry for him he she she knows and feels his vulnerability and this is a hook it's a hook it's a big someone else's vulnerability is a very big hook when you're a self-sacrificer and when you're deeply empathic but it can be at a risk to you because they're not actually taking care of you because it's coming from a place of of self-absorption often um and you know really it's not great when you're feeling responsible and you're worrying about the well-being of the person that he's married, you're having an affair with him, you feel sorry for him, you've become sort of his pseudo-therapist and um, you're stuck and you're waiting to be chosen for him to become available one day. So if this is happening or if you're in a relationship like this with any any person doesn't have to be a married person um, with any person who is unavailable then you know take this as a really serious red flag because it is a you know pretty fast ticket to a, a dead end conclusion um and so what you have to do is is this person isn't available uh, they're not available for you and they're getting their nurturance needs met or whatever other other needs through you but what are you going what are you getting out of the relationship you might feel like you feel good about yourself because you're giving them advice and you're an emotional crutch but at the end of the day you're not actually getting your needs met if what you want is a healthy long-term relationship with a committed other you're you're not actually getting that and you're unlikely to get that particularly from this person, if the longer you stay in this dynamic. So it's difficult because you might feel guilty, you might feel like you're doing the wrong thing. Um, I've heard women say, yeah, but if I leave, he'll have nobody. Really? No. He'll have many other people and he can go and seek his own mental health or psychological support and go and see a professional and uh, you don't have to 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 give it to him 
So if you have this kind of conditioning and you have these schemas around self-sacrifice and you feel his vulnerability has kind of hooked you in, then then you're really at risk of staying way too long in these in these kinds of relationships. So that's why we really want to be healing what is going on for us at a schema level so that we know how can we recognize healthy relationships. Um, you know, the thing about having relationships with unavailable people, I, I'll stick with the example of, say, a, a, an affair partner, is that it's just got so many elements that mirror our earlier vulnerabilities. If, if you're having an, an affair with somebody, there's an element, a major element, it's in, embedded into the dynamic of the relationship of uncertainty. And there's also a major element of not fully knowing where you're standing and there's a major element of waiting, waiting to be chosen, waiting to be picked, waiting to be selected by an attachment figure so that you can feel good enough and loved enough. This brings me to my second reason, and that has everything to do with the abandonment schema. The reason why my clients in the past and other women, and and maybe you can relate to this, I hope you're not in this situation, but just in case you are, if you're in a relationship with someone like this, a, a guy who's married or someone else who's clearly very emotionally unavailable and uh, the relationship is marked by insecurity, then you might be finding it really hard to leave. This is early on because the dynamic of not having somebody's full attention feels very deeply familiar to you. That insecurity feeling feels familiar to you. And um, that's another hook, right? Because in an affair, if you're in a relationship with someone else's life partner, you're immediately on the back foot and waiting to be chosen. So if you have an abandonment schema and you have an abandoned, wounded inner child within or vulnerable child, we say, in schema therapy, then that part of you is keeping you in that relationship because that part of you is hoping and waiting that this person who is somehow reminiscent or the the attachment is reminiscent to an earlier one, that this person will somehow choose you. And to someone with a big abandonment schema, the love of an unavailable partner is actually considered by the vulnerable child more precious than the love of a stable, reliable, emotionally available partner because it has to do with that idea of self-worth. If I can stay long enough and be good enough and this person chooses me, then I'll feel worthy enough. Then I will be chosen and then that will be confirmation that I am okay, that I am lovable. So we know that Justine and I call these love traps. We know that these love traps that we 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 find ourselves in when we're an adult are intricately linked to our love template, 
to our early experiences in life with our attachment figures and um, to a large extent, of course, by extension there, our attachment styles. So we know that we often have the biggest chemistry with the people who have the potential to trigger us the most. So we have, listen to that one, we have the biggest chemistry, sexual chemistry, physical chemistry with the people who have the biggest potential to wound us in similar ways that we were wounded as a child in, 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 in relation to our unmet needs. Yeah. So if we were shamed as a child, made to feel not good enough, if we were criticized, picked on, then we're going to have often high chemistry with a partner who turns out to be quite critical and controlling. Right? If we if we had a lot of abandonment and insecurity as a, as a child and people came and went and and um sometimes you know not for any fault of their own often but a parent was a, abandoned you through through some circumstances or um if there was a lot of ab- abandonment and emotional deprivation going on if our love template um is imprinted with this stuff then later on we're going to find that we are attracted to unavailable partners we don't know they're unavailable to start with um but it's something very deeply familiar to us and the brain is a fascinating organ so chemistry is a really complicated topic so i won't go into it all there now but to say that the brain knows what is familiar and keeps us stuck there the ban- the abandonment schema is is a real you know culprit when it comes to staying in relationships way too long with people who are not are not letting us know that they are you know available and um reliable and consistent and they're reliable and we can we can trust them if you're in a relationship that's marked by a lot of insecurity, your abandonment schema is probably keeping you there as well. The waiting to be chosen feeling is a is a terrible feeling to to have. It feels awful, feels very insecure, and there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety. And you know, if we think about what an affair with a, an unavailable partner would feel like it feels very similar isn't it it's there's a lot of anxiety there's a lot of adrenaline um you you're kind of walking a fine line between you know how does this person feel about me i really want them to leave their partner and be with me and i don't know whether that's ever going to happen uh, but i'll 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 hang in there it's really torturous good to be able to recognize that what this person says they may do in the future is in no way a reflection of the reality of what is happening now. So many women and and, uh, men as well, this this tends to be a, a human quality, is that they get caught up in dating somebody's or, or seeing somebody's potential rather than the reality of the person sitting in front of you. So 
go with what is sitting in front of you. If this person is unavailable, that means they they're just they're just not available for you. Um, if they're where you're at, if they're interested in in having a getting to know you and having a relationship with you, if they're available for that, then that's okay. But if they're not available for for that, no amount of hoping, wishing, wanting, dreaming and 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 fantasizing is 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 going to get you there. And in fact, the more you do that, you're carving out a a scenario and you are hyper charging your attachment system to get deeply attached to this person. And so when it ends, you're going to be feeling a huge amount of grief. So the longer you stay, the worse it will get. And I haven't I haven't heard any nice happy endings from um from women who have been involved with married men. I, I've not heard one. So the chances are that it's going to turn in your favor are really pretty slim. And why would you want that anyway? Because you the affair partner that you have is not at their best. They're starting a relationship from a space of deceit. They are starting their relationship with you from a place of duplicity, of dishonesty. And this is not a a quality that you probably want in a life partner. And people that start and stay in relationships while they also have another, their primary relationship on the go, right, this may sound very harsh, are not particularly empathic because they're not stopping to to really deeply consider that their need fulfilment is harming other people. And this is probably not the kind of person that you want to start a you know future that you want to start a, an ongoing relationship with. It is a trap itself. The the example of the married man is a trap because it's marked by insecurity and uncertainty right up front. And so if you're coming into this relationship with a fair bit of abandonment and emotional deprivation as your schemers, then there is something familiar about that uncertainty and insecurity. And as we know in psychology, right back to the days of Freud, left to our own devices, we are drawn to the familiar. We are drawn to repeat some patterns, even though we don't want to. So the abandonment scheme is something that you really need to heal because it can work at odds against you in relationships, okay? So, you, but you don't heal it by rejecting it and get rid of it, rid of it and saying, you know, I can't stand my abandoned side. You start to heal it by having compassion for the child within you that didn't get all her needs met adequately. And otherwise we're self-abandoning. 
And so we need to recognize our vulnerable, our wounds, our childhood wounds and our our vulnerability and we need to recognize our unmet needs in order to start to heal them because we cannot heal what we can't we can't see right and feel we need to be able to see and feel the vulnerable child part of us so that we can have a relationship with that part of us and reparent that wounded part so that we can make that wounded part love, feel loved and healthy and strong. So that wounded part is not actually dictating who we get involved with. So Justine and I have discussed the role of the abandonment schema several times in the podcast. And so go, please go back and, and uh, search for abandonment. You'll find lots of our discussions because we've had some pretty in-depth discussions about the abandonment schema. So I hope you will do that if you if this resonates with you. So the third the third schema, underlying schema, dynamic that I have observed that stop women in particular from leaving a relationship that is not good for them um, in the early phases of a, of a relationship in particular, it's really got to do with one's self-worth. So if you, I'll start by saying this. I've had many conversations with women who have either left, um, often they've already left an unhealthy relationship with sometimes a controlling narcissistic partner. And and what they've what they've reflected upon when they've examined their relationship. So it might be a five year relationship, it might be a twenty five year relationship. But one of the common threads of people who stay in relationships with narcissists for many many years, and particularly what gets in the way of them reacting to the the early signs. So again, it's. What keeps you stuck when you see some early signs? You don't do anything about it and you hang in there. So we've talked about guilt and responsibility, the first one, feeling like you have to rescue people and feeling sorry for them. Second one, I've talked about abandonment. Now the third one I'm going to talk about is self-worth. So another reason that keeps women stuck in these scenarios and situations is that they have a higher threshold for putting up with boundary crossing and unacceptable behaviour or poor behaviour. And they have a core belief at the heart of things or a version of this core belief that they actually don't deserve a loving relationship or that they don't, they don't deserve really good treatment. And so there are some feelings of low self-worth keeping these women from acting in their best interests early on in the relationship. They don't feel good enough. They don't feel worthy enough. 
maybe they have been used to as a child having to tolerate boundary violations, poor treatment or neglect or forms of abuse. They've learned that they just had to put up with that behavior in order to survive. You know, they had to get through it somehow. And again, this behavior is kind of familiar to them. And so when someone in an early in the early months of a relationship, say, or the first year of a relationship, starts pushing boundaries, starts criticizing them, maybe starts controlling them, maybe putting them down a bit maybe mocking them a bit, that, you know, that kind of thing, they're more likely to, I suppose, some some women, not, not all women with this history, but they might be more likely to excuse or make, make excuses for that kind of behaviour because they've had to put up with it or a variation of that in the past already. And as a child, because they've had to put up with that shitty stuff that happened, as a consequence of that stuff happening, they they developed a belief of some level of unworthiness. And then this level of unworthiness keeps them stuck, fast forward, keeps them stuck in the early stages of romantic relationships where there are clear signs that something's not okay such as being criticised or being mocked or made fun of or clearly disrespected in some way. So they haven't felt entitled enough to call that and say, you know, this is not okay by me. I actually don't like this. I don't. I actually don't want this for myself. I'm going to end this now. They're more likely to hang in there because of that, perhaps that under-entitlement Right, with a narcissist who's got over entitlement. So there's that perf, there's that love trap again, under entitlement with over entitlement. So they're tolerating this unacceptable behaviour and walking on eggshells, because at at the very core level, some part of them feels not like they're unworthy. They don't deserve a healthy, respectful partner. Okay, so. Now this is this is a dan- potentially very dangerous thing going on for you if you're noticing this and you're in an early relationship and your partner is starting to erode your sense of self by doing some gaslighting belittling you in little tiny ways at first that we call it the boundary creep that has two meanings if you can figure that one out I'm I'm sure you can um you know we call it the boundary creep so if you notice that you're tolerating these things, but your friends say, gee, I don't really like the way such and such is treating you, it bothers me that they treat you like this. And if it's more than just one person that says that, that's a clear indication that you need to seriously look at this new relationship and leave this new relationship before you get too hooked in, before you get too attached, before you carve a life out with this person. Because once you do that, there are other things at play and it makes it just so much more complicated. Not to mention the the longer one stays in these relationships, sometimes 
the more potentially dangerous they may become in the future. So what self-worth, a lack of self-worth, a feeling that I'm not, I'm not good enough and I'm not deserving can underpin, can be another big reason why women find it hard to put themselves first and to say, no, sorry, I do not want this for me. I am entitled to have someone that treats me well with respect, with care, with kindness, like I'm wanted, I want to do with, with them. So again, I see that, I've seen that in women. Often women will retrospectively report to me that, you know what, when I saw these signs, I should have known what that meant. But I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I gave him a second chance, not just a second chance, but a third, fourth, and fifth, and et cetera, et cetera, number of chances. I excused the behavior and put it down to he's stressed. He had a bad childhood. He's busy at work. He's got family conflict. He's got pain. He's got whatever. He only does it when he says these mean things when he drinks. Whatever the reason or the excuse is, the behavior is the behavior. The behavior is not going to disappear just because you have a well-constructed series of excuses. The behavior is there. It exists in and of itself. You have to judge it as it is what is in front of you. Judge what is in front of you based on the evidence of what you see and the evidence of how you feel. And, and make your decisions from that. So if you think that any of these issues like, you know, feeling responsible for someone, feeling um, feeling, feeling sorry, um, getting sucked in by their, you know, they're a married man but they're, they're leaning on you, you're embroiled with him, now he's dumping on you all his woes, I mean, that is just a dead-end street. You know that. Uh, it's not the knowledge that stops us from acting. <laughs> it's our schemas. They're not our fault. Women don't make, don't not make healthy decisions for themselves because they're naive, or or anything like that. It's because our our schemas, our learning, our love traps get in the way of us making healthy choices. It's not because you know we're stupid or or you know Pollyanna or naive or or any uneducated or unworldly or any of that rubbish. It's not because of any of that. It's because of our psychology gets in the way of our seeing reality, making accurate assessments and putting our best interests first ahead of this other person who is actually, by all intents and purposes, not good for, for us. So there are plenty of great relationship potentials out there. Believe it or not, you probably don't have a type. A type is basically what we have been fed and it's also based on our love template. It's better to go for people that you don't have 10 out of 10 chemistry with, that you have more 6, 7, 8, 
Give these kinds of people a try. Look for kindness. Look for consistency. Look for reliability. Look for someone who has the same values as you, not not the same hobbies. Hobbies, interests, who cares? Values is what matters. And also how you feel when you're when you're when you're with them. If you have feelings like, I don't feel good enough, you know, or I feel like I have to walk on eggshells, or I feel like I can't say my opinion. These are all internal red flags. This is something that we we talk about in depth in our red flag project course for women. And is a central part of the, the coaching that Justine and I offer our our clients. And and so we're fundamentally, in order to move through and make different choices and make ourselves more available for healthy partners, you have to get out early when you see a lot of these things. And what stops us getting out early is I've discussed three other things today, and I hope that you'll be able to take something away from that and you'll be able to look at and see whether or not you have any of these three vulnerabilities, let's call them, that have, and maybe maybe you don't have any, maybe you're in a secure relationship now with a good partner, but in the past, you can really identify with these things. Or maybe this is something you're experiencing right now. You know, and I've given some examples of um, relationships at the pointy end of the spectrum, mentioning control and narcissism and potentially dangerous dangerous relationships. Well, of course, I'm not only talking about those, that's one part of the relationship puzzle, unfortunately. Um, and certainly we know that the more controlling a partner is over small things at the beginning and the more they try to violate your boundaries and erode your sense of self, these are very, very toxic traits. But, you know, there is, there's a lot of other more benign traits like, you know, just someone who has got their own schemas that are I mean, we've all got schemas, but someone who's got their own schemas around emotional deprivation and who is coping with a lot of avoidance and is not able to be a partner for you. Well, similarly, I'm talking about these kinds of partners as well. You know, they need to do their own healing. They need to do their own therapy so that they can they can trust others and themselves enough and and get close to people and to have a good relationship. But that's not your mission. Your mission is to notice who's in front of you and make judgments based on that, not to try to change that person and to date their potential. So I'm talking about the full spectrum of emotional unavailability in this um, episode today, but I've given some varied examples, hoping that you may be able to identify some of these situations for yourself. Now, if you want to know more about what I've been talking about, please go back and listen. We have a we have the Good Mood Clinic podcast has over 90 episodes and we mainly talk about schemas and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and Justine and I are also developing the Red Flag podcast. So if you're listening on that platform, welcome. And that's where we'll be posting um, exclusively only podcasts about these sort of things and relationships and schemas and 
attachment styles and and um, red flags, of course. If you would like to get in contact with us, I've mentioned those two websites, goodmood.com.au and theredflagproject.com. Also check us out if you're interested in um, the red flag stuff. Check us out on Instagram where we're doing a lot of posting there. But I also want to let you know that we have a membership program that Justine and I really love. It's called the Schema Circle. And if you are interested in breaking any kind of pattern in your life that's no longer serving you, whether it's in relation to romantic relationships, family relationships, how you get on with people at work, perfectionism, whether you're a people pleaser, all sorts of things like that. These are all underpinned by our schemas. And in the schemas circle, we provide you with, what is it now? It's three live and then recorded coaching calls a month, group coaching calls a month, plus lots of deep dives in there. So there's heaps of stuff in the membership portal. Uh, Look out for that. You'll be able to go to the link in the show notes if you're interested. We open the doors a few times a year. So that's the schema circle. If you are doing schema therapy and you want to know more about it because you think this is really great, then we would love to have you join us in the schema circle, our monthly membership program. It's a real passion for us. As you probably know, we love schema therapy and we love the model and we love applying it to relationships and and dating as well. And we'd love to help you if you would like some one-on-one work. We also offer schema coaching, Justine and myself. We're based in Sydney but we both offer online sessions. So, and the last thing I wanted to just let you know, remind you, is we love to get your comments and questions. So feel free to send us an email at justineandgemma at goodmood.com.au. And if you've loved what I've spoken about today, I would be so appreciative if you could share the podcast with a friend or a colleague and if you're feeling extra keen and extra generous we love reading your beautiful reviews so we'd really appreciate that one so look until next time take care wish you all the best and I hope what I've spoken about today has landed for you and provided you with some insights Take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it with others. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notifications when new shows are released. You can visit us at goodmood.com.au forward slash podcast for more information. You know, this podcast is intended for learning and entertainment purposes, and we really hope it achieves that. But because it's not a substitute for personal therapy, 
we'd like you to consult a qualified mental health professional for tailored support. Bye for now.